This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community and for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810. WHB, I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 8. And yes, it is just after 7, daylight savings time. One of the least favorite things I <laughs> I like about life happened this morning. So we're all an hour ahead than normal. So I hope you're waking up and uh, getting going on this dark, dreary day this morning. Once again, the weather is not the greatest. And I'm ready for this weather to get good because, you know, here in Kansas City in springtime, it's fun to play golf. It's fun to get out and work out, run, walk, ride your bike, play tennis, play pickleball, whatever it is you do outside. But the weather has not been too conducive for that lately, and hopefully it will be changing soon. You know, I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8, and we get into the mental side of sports on this show. I'm in my 42nd year of work as a sports psychologist. I've been on the radio here in Kansas City for 32 years. The last 22 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our shows are podcasted everywhere, all the main sites, especially on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can go on there and hear close to 10 years of podcasts. And I love doing this show because we talk about the mental side of sports, mindsets, attitudes, preparation, focus, confidence, all those topics that have a big part of what makes it successful. You know, Mike? Great uncle, I've shared this many times, Hirsch Jacobs, when he died in 1970, was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. He won 3,596 races. That's a lot. He told me a quote that his son taught my cousin Tommy, reinforced many times. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. And that's what's great about sports. You just don't know. It's March Basketball's going crazy. We're going to start the NCAA tournament this week. For the men and the women, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement going on. But if you are someone who loves to play sports and loves to get outside, you probably love to play golf. And every year I have an individual on who's joining me in the studio this morning who I've known for a number of years. His name's Rob Shipman. He runs the Shipman Golf Institute over at Milburn Country Club. Rob's one of the best teaching pros in the community. He just won Midwest Section Teacher of the Year for the fourth time. Just recently, he's taught 83, let me repeat that, 83 high school cha- uh, state champions, which means he's up almost as old as me. Anyway, Rob, thanks for coming in this morning. I appreciate it. I am glad to be here, Andy. You know, we've done this show several times, and we've talked about the whole, I mean, you're, you're the top teacher in the, in the area, and you've taught all these people. 
from kids all the way up to older. What's the oldest golfer you've worked you've had in, in, in your place? Oh, I've had people in there probably close to ninety before. That beats me. The, I've, the oldest person I've ever had in my office was actually from Melbourne years ago, and, she, and it was a female golfer, eighty-one years of age. And I said, "Why are you here?" She said, "Quite frankly, Doctor Jacobs, my putting sucks," and she had the yips. And so we worked on that, and she eventually got it under control. But you, you, you'll teach any age, and you've taught so successfully. You've taught me as well. Tell us about just a little bit of how you got into this. Let's talk about you for a second. How'd you get into all this teaching and how come you've, you've done so well with it for so long? What do you think? Well, I, I played as a kid. My dad loved golf. He wasn't very good, but he loved playing and he, he didn't even care about playing good. I mean, he wanted to play good, but he just loved to go out and play. And every weekend, most of my life, I went out and played golf with my dad and recently won a, won, um, won an award in the PGA interviewed me and they asked me about it and I'm like the best times of my life going back think about when you're a kid every weekend going out and playing golf with your dad it was just the best times ever for me so you love playing and how'd you end up getting into teaching well as a player I was always kind of um, fascinated by how the swing works back in those days we're talking you know I played in college in the 80s but there was a book out called The Golf Machine by Homer Kelly and Mac O'Grady took it over and the guy that was the head pro at the course I grew up at was um, a, was a golf machine guy and I just kind of started learning about all the physics and stuff that went into the golf game and for me it just clicked in my head so um, I, I really liked the teaching aspect to it. Of course I would have wanted to play but you know there's only 125 guys out there right? Well when you say you like the teaching aspect, what do you like about that? Because I like working with people and helping them work through their, you know, the psychological issues, topics that we'll talk about, whatever that might be. What do you like about being a golf instructor? I, I like taking people who don't know – because, you know, when you hit a ball good, it's fun, right? Golf it, it feels really good. Right? That's the addictive part to it. But the in the golf, it's so counterintuitive – and the technique is so important because golf is so hard that when you do get people to hit a ball correctly and they can feel it, it's fun for them. And, and you can just see the excitement on their face when they learn to do it and they get better. Technology has changed teaching so much in the last, what, five, ten years, hasn't it? Yeah, over the last, uh, you know, 20, it's, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly evolving, getting cheaper and better all at the same time. What are the benefits of, of, of utilizing technology now Well, for, for you? As you know, I teach everything on video. I mean, when we're learning the swing, we're working on video because what you do and what you think you do are never hardly the same thing. And as you know from your swing, you feel like you put it in one spot and look up in the video and it's, you know, where it's supposed to be. So um, the video is, you know, very, very important. And then there's other things. There's biomechanical computers, launch monitors, force plates. I mean, the, in the force plates, you can see the forces in the ground, and you would never be able to see those those directions and forces without them. It's it's something you could not see. How much of golf is mental, Rob? I mean, we, we you know there's a book, great book by Bob Rotella, "Golf Is Not a Game of Perfect." Um, there have been you know dozens and dozens of books written about the mental aspect, the psychological aspect of it. How much do you feel it's mental? I think golf, uh, even though technique and athleticism is important, that what the in golf the mental side's I think even more important because 
if you look at what a tour player does, they're able to make the same swing every time, no matter what the pressure. They don't try to hit harder. So, you know, they just have this swing, and they're able to perform that swing. And I don't know recently if you've watched the Netflix thing on the PGA Tour. Have you seen that? No. It's pretty interesting. And they're going through different people's careers. And you look at a guy like Brooks Kapka compared to a guy like Scotty Scheffler, and you can just see how different their thought processes are. And you can see why Kapka was so good when he was good and why he's struggling right now. And, his, his, why, and why is he struggling now? He, I mean, he could hit the ball as far and as good as anybody for, for he, a while. He, you know, when he was winning all those U.S. Opens and PGAs, he was confident. He was just – he knew he was the guy. And when you see him on that Netflix thing, he knows he is just not confident at all. He does not know what he's doing out there. He admits how lost he is. And, you know, he's just trying to make cuts now, basically. What happened? What do you think happened to him? I, I have no idea. I mean, you know, who, who the struggles of golfer goes through. There's, you know, Ian Baker, Finch, and many players over the years have just, whatever reason, you know, lost it. I mean, who knows why? That's what you're here for, right? I talk about four key words with all my clients I've talked about on this show that I call the psychological keys to success. Preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. Preparation is how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally. What are all the things you do to get ready? Focus is about what you're concentrating on when you're doing your sport at that moment. And that involves learning the distractions externally that are around you, but more importantly, internally. You can, you can have a positive, negative, or realistic attitude. I always like to talk about a positive, realistic attitude. And then confidence, the ability to believe in yourself, to me is the foundation of all that. If you're confident, I, I, what I find is it doesn't matter if you hit a bad shot. It doesn't matter if you have a bad day. You'll know you can come back the next time. So you're saying with Capeco right now, that's gone from yeah. your perspective. Yeah, when you watch the thing, he's not confident at all. So how do you go from being at the top of the game like he was to where he is now? What do you, what do you think from a teaching professional's perspective is going on with somebody like that? I, I don't know. His putting stats have gone down tremendously since when he was winning all those tournaments. But you know something happened there that he's just doesn't, doesn't think he's going to win now. That, that's probably why he switched you know, the tours and went to that live tour. And he's also getting a lot of money with that, too. A lot of money there. <laughs> Joining me this morning is Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City at Milburn Country Club. Rob's been on the show with me several times over the years. Love having him on to talk about golf, the mental side of golf. And if you'd like to join us, you have a question. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. No, lots of golfers, although it's still daylight savings time dark out there. Nobody's on the way to play right now, but they will be soon. Lots of pros are on their way to their clubs and their courses to get ready. The mental aspect of this game plays such a key role. And you told me something once about a, a young lady you taught. It's so always intrigued me. She said she always wanted to leave a lesson with you hitting a bad shot, right? Yes. Tell us yes. about that. Well, her, her mind, because, you know, anybody, anybody I've ever met, when they go to the range, they always want to hit balls. And they want, if say they're getting ready to be done... Or even if I'm giving a lesson, everyone wants to hit the last one good. They never want to end on a bad one. Well, this young lady, she always wanted to hit, and when she finished, she wanted to hit a bad one. And I asked her one time, why, why do you want to finish on a bad one? 
And she goes, because I know I never hit two bad shots in a row. So I know if I finish on a bad one, the next time I come out, I'm going to hit a good one. And she's the only person I ever taught who thought that way. Okay. Right. You've told me that. What do you think about that? I I never – I would always want to end on a good one myself. I want to have a good feeling when I leave the range. But um, that's just how she uh, you know, figured it out. That's it, for her. And it worked for her. When she was a state champion and played in college, and she was good. So, yeah, it worked okay. good for her. So everybody's perspective is a little bit different. I want to get into that when we come back from our first <clears> break here in a moment. Because I want to talk about the whole mental aspect of preparing to play. Um, some some people like to just drive up to the course, get out of the car, hit two balls, and go. I am very big on visualization, as you know. I want to get into that when we come back. So my guest today is Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City. If you have a question about golf, if you've taken lessons before, had questions about your approach, had questions about the mental aspect, this is a great time to call in. Our number is 913 Three eight ten eight ten nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports. Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio eight ten WHB. I'm here every Sunday morning from seven to eight, talking about the mental side of sports. And today, I'm lucky enough to have as my guest Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City. I've known Rob for years. He's one of the top teaching pros in the, in the country, really, and won his fourth Midwest Section PGA Teacher Award just recently and taught 83, 83 high school champions. That's over, what, three years, right? How many years have you been doing this? Um, I started teaching full-time in 97. Wow. 97, yeah. Wow, that, that's that's a lot. Yeah. And let's let's start with young golfers what do you think for them the big issue is they have to learn you know somebody's just getting started in the sport what would you say the the issues are for them that they need to focus on well golf is hard and young golfers generally have an attitude that they should every shot perfect you've probably seen it why why not I, i mean it's it's a hard game and I'm constantly have to share the tour stats with them. For instance, on the PGA Tour from 200 yards, greens and regulations, about 50%. About 50%. I know you watch them on TV and you think they never miss a green, but it's around 50% from 200 yards. So they're failing half the time. Or a, a kid will come in there and they'll hit six, seven good shots in a row and hit one bad and they're mad. It's like you, you got to... You got to accept how hard the game is, and, and you know, do your best. But it's the margins are so thin. A couple degrees here, a couple degrees there, and the ball's going to miss. So, how do you teach kids about that? Because, you know, there there's that whole, like I said, the the book "Golf Was Not a Game of Perfect" by Rotella. Um, everybody's trying to hit the perfect shot. I mean, that's what I, all my friends when I played for years, and I hear this from my clients. I hear it on TV. Everybody's trying to hit the perfect shot. What is the perfect shot? Well, I don't, I don't know what the perfect shot. I guess it's the shot you're picturing your mind before you hit it, and then you hit it, and it hit it well, and it feels good, and the trajectory spin rate, everything's right. But those, you know, Ben Hogan was a, arguably the greatest ball striker of all time, and I think he used to say he hit two good shots around. That's Ben Hogan. Jack Nicholas uh, had a quote, or what more than a quote. He said, when he would shoot as close to a perfect round of golf as he could, he'd shoot a score between 63 and 68 with five to eight miss hits. 
that's basically one miss hit for every 13 shots. Right. Say if it's, it's 65. So, you know, ar- arguably one of the greatest players ever would right. miss hit a shot one of every 13. And that's one of the greatest players ever. So what's that do for your average hacker? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fair to say he's best or second best. I don't think you can get him to third on any, you know, ranking. <laughs> no, no. And, and you know, years ago when Tom, <coughs> excuse me, Tom Watson had his uh, – a uh, little classic over at Blue Hills, uh, the Children's Mercy Classic. Uh, when I first moved back home, I think it was 1983, from grad school, Jack Nicholas was there, and I, I uh, came and listened to him speak and then watched him play that day. And I was so intrigued with him because he was, he had it, obviously, he had it down. I mean, this is when he was towards the end of his his greatness, 83, but he, you could tell his focus and his preparation was so strong. I want let's talk about preparation, Rob, because you know as I said, preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. That I talk about as the keys to, to success. Let's talk about your philosophy about preparation. How much of that's physical? How much of that's mental? Well, the, I, I'm the preparation for me is everything, and all my teachings are to prepare to play, and. On my hats at my um, at my facility, on the back of the hat, it says PITMOS. It's an acronym for Preparation is the Mother of Success because that's what the practice is, is you know preparing your swing and your brain and your attitude for what it feels like to play, to play the round of golf. So what do you feel is the best way to prepare to play? Let's talk about not just physically but mentally as well. And well, then, excuse me, and then also not just to, pre- to prepare to play but to prepare for each shot. Yeah, I like the pre-shot routine. I think most people do. I have a particular pre-shot routine I like, although I'm not tied to it. There's some room in there for individualism in it, but there is a way I like to see that pre-shot routine. I like people to picture the golf ball, their steps we go through to aim it, and that's that's pretty much how I do it. About I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I'm watching the tour on TV, and Jason Day was standing behind a shot, closed his eyes, his eyelids were fluttering, and Andy North's like, what is he doing? Why Why is he standing there like that? Which was surprising from Andy North. But nonetheless, uh, Jason Day won that tournament. I can't remember what it was. And afterwards, he got asked, what do you do? He goes, well, I, st- I stand and visualize the shot. Each shot I hit. I pictured in my mind. I pictured the perfect shot which is what I want to do. And I don't always hit it perfectly, but I try to have that image in my mind when I stand over the ball. I think they all do. I think they all do. If you pick up the mic when you're watching a tour event and the player's getting ready to hit it and he's talking to his caddy, almost always the last thing the caddy will say to the player is see the shot. I mean, you hear it every time. So for the average golfer who gets frustrated when they've double bogeyed the first hole, and hit their tee shot into the woods on number two. What do you tell them? Well, it's you don't tell them to start playing tennis right there. You know the, I think it was um, I think it was Ben Hogan who said the most important golf and shot in golf is the next one. So you, I mean, the shot's done. You're going to have good holes. You're going to have bad holes. You just you had the bad hole early. That's that's all there is to it. Um, you know, Rory won the players last year, or the, or the uh, yeah, I think it was the players last year, and he. When he make triple on the first hole, very first hole, he yeah, comes back yeah. and wins it. You know, he, he put it out of his head, played good golf from then on out, and ended up winning it. 
Well, that's one of my acronyms is TNS, the next shot, the next shot. And that's where, you know, so mentally then, how do you, what do you talk to your, your pupils, I guess we'll call them students, about the preparation aspect, about getting ready to play? What, what would you suggest to people who are going to go play around? Mentally, what should they do as well as physically before they get to that first hole? Well, if you're talking about a tournament round, or it could be even just a casual on your golf course, I guess. But say for me, high school players are playing the whole season because they want to play state. That's why you play high school golf. You want to win state championship. So I, I look at the at the course they're playing. Let's say, for instance, it's it's one at Topeka Country Club, and it kind of goes to the right, and we'll just stand out there and visualize that hole and hit you know, 10 or 15 drivers visualizing that hole. So when you're loosening up on the range that day before you play, you mentally play maybe the first two or three holes before you go out there. So it's like you've already played them. So play them in your mind. In your mind, yeah. Now, years ago, I had a college golfer who was playing a big tournament out west, leading the tournament by two strokes. He came up to the 16th hole, which is a par three, short par three. And he was in the, the last group, day three of the tournament. And the head coach was sitting in a cart right by the tee box and said, don't hit in the trap everybody else did. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think the word don't in the in the practice routine and the thought process, I think is a really bad thing, a negative thing. I always, I always try to get my guys to think in the positive. Well, so, yeah. Right. So don't leave a putt short. No, get the putt to the hole. If the trouble's on the left, if you can't think. Don't go left because your brain just hears left. You got to think, hit the ball to the right. At least that's how I look at it. Well, he came in. They flew back that night. He came in the next day and was very irritated because he lost by one stroke. He double bogeyed that hole. And I said, "Why were you? You know, why were you even listening to what he was saying? He didn't care much for the the, the coach that much anyway." He goes, "That just the trap just got stuck in my head." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay, well." If we go through that again, what would you do? When he says, don't hit in the trap, then you're like, all right, what do I need to do to hit it on the green? It's 120 yards. You know, I need need to bend this a little over the trap and just hit it on the green. Visualize the positive thing rather than the negative. But it's so easy. I mean, that's the whole thing with golf. You want to hit every shot perfectly, and you're not going to. And then if you hit one bad shot, oftentimes that leads to two, three, or four in a row. So what's your suggestion as a teacher to someone who gets in that negative rut. Well, j- just like you said, you got to think in the positive. You, you always have to think in the positive. You got to feel the swing, commit to the swing, think positively, picture the shot. You, you just can't think in that. If you think in the negative, negative things are going to happen. Well, in, in life, of course, that's the same, same way across the board. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City. Love to hear from you if you have a question. I know a lot of golfers listen to the show. Our number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. And, yes, it is 735. Daylight savings time kicked in this morning for those who are just getting up wondering why, why is he on so early. So the mental aspect of this game, obviously, for me, is a big, big component of this. You've taught, as, as we've said, 83 high school state champions. Mentally, and they're all different, obviously. Tell us a story about maybe a couple of them who were mentally really strong and maybe a couple that weren't that strong and how they overcome their neg- negative attributes. 
Well, you know, with, with so many kids and so many people, there are kids in there who think they're going to hit a good shot every time, no matter what. And there are other kids who think they're not going to hit a good shot, no matter what. So everybody's different. And you, so one of the things I like to do with kids or with anybody is when they go to the range, say we're going to hit a ball that curves left. I want them to hit that ball in practice 10 times in a row curving left. If they hit one that doesn't go left, start over. Because my thought is if you can do it 10 times in a row, then you can do it once on the golf course. Because if you come up to a golf hole, say, where you need to curve a ball left, you've got to, you can't let it – because if you're trying to curve it left, that means there's bad stuff on the right. So we can't let it go right. So that's how I try to get them to hit so many shots with the, with the visualization in their head that when they're on the golf course, they confidently can do it. Now, if they're trying, if they're trying to hit 10 balls in a row that curve right to left and only – two in a row go left before one goes on the right, well, then you've got a you know, 33% chance of hitting a bad shot. So we'll just stand out there and do it until they can do it. As I'm listening to you, Rob, one of the words that keeps popping in my head for people who play golf is frustration. You know, that's probably the, the quickest thing that comes into people's minds. They get frustrated if they hit a bad shot. I have a, a good friend that I, when I play with. He's a very, very bright man, physician, scientist. And so when we play, we always have a, a little contest putting who's going to win, you know, on the on the putting green. And it's interesting because he'll stand, he'll get, he's he's a, shoots in the in the low to mid eighties most of the time, so he's a pretty decent player. But he'll get on the green, and he'll stand over, he'll visualize the putt, but then he stands over it and stands over it and stands over it. And I watch him tense up, and it's why until he started talking to me, I always beat him. He goes, "What am I doing wrong?" I said, "You're thinking too much." How much do you see, you know, smart people are perfectionists. They try to be perfectionists. I see this a lot. And then they start thinking too much. I always tell people you've got to learn how to turn your brain off on the course, especially when you're putting. There's a point where you think and then you stop thinking. What do you think about that? I think that's absolutely true. You've got to, especially putting, you have to see it. You have to see it. You have to see the ball rolling to the hole so you can feel the speed. I mean, you have to feel and see it when you putt. You, you, you can't be mechanical when you're putting. I mean, I once, years ago, had dinner with Tom Watson and back in the 80s when he was in his prime. And uh, my father was, was his in-law's doctor, so they arranged, we, we had dinner. And I listened to him talk about, when this is when he was putting well. And he talked about visualizing it. He'd see it, but he'd see it, see the trajectory of the ball several you know golf balls and going into the hole and then he'd stand over and he'd hit it and what i've seen with great golfers who are great putters that's what they do they have a set routine and so much of it's visualization they picture it in their mind stand over the ball exhale and hit they don't stand and think too much over the ball when you start to stand and think over the ball too much what happens if you're over that ball thinking about how hard you're going to hit it, it's not going to be good. You because? Because because the brain gets in the way of actually feeling that shot happen. Yeah, you have to see the ball rolling to that hole. to you know, Because like on a downhill putt, when you see the ball rolling to the hole, your brain will see the ball rolling slower, and therefore you'll match that speed up with your brain. Yeah, you, you can't think. And the same thing goes for chipping and pitching. They're more reactionary. They're more like shooting a basketball. 
you have to kind of look where you want to hit the ball, where you want it to land, and then swing. And so, uh, you know, I talked about preparation and the second word's focus. One of the things that I find with so many people I work with, we talk about focus, especially with short game or on the, on the green when it comes to golf, is, is visualize the shot. I always tell people, stand behind the ball. Tell me what you think about this. Stand, you know, get up to the green. Look where your ball is. Look where the hole is. Stand behind the ball and visualize about 30 golf balls going into the hole. You know, just the trajectory of all these balls going into the hole. Visualize that. Get your putt out. Take a couple practice swings. Stand over the ball. Exhale and hit it. Don't stand over that ball more than several seconds because then you're going to start to tighten up and tense up. And that's where I think so many people screw up. Absolutely. Yeah. You see someone standing over a golf ball very long. It's usually not a good result. And as far as visualization, like, for instance, chipping or pitching, I'll, I'll literally stand out on the short game center with my players, and we'll just take 20 or 30 balls and just throw them underhanded on the green, you know, just to see it, just to see the ball. You know, because when, when people are athletic, when they throw, usually, and when you look at a green and you're going to hit a, hit a ball close to the hole, just throw a ball on the green and let it roll up there. You're not thinking when you throw a ball. You've been throwing a ball your whole life. You don't think about how fast your arm moves when you throw a ball. So that's just to get that feeling of looking and reacting and just letting it happen instead of forcing it. I know this may be somewhat insulting to some people, but I've often found that sometimes the best athletes are not, as as the quote goes, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Sometimes the best athletes aren't that smart because they don't think too much. They just react. And sometimes if you think too much, you get caught in your head. So... What I always tell people is to try to turn your, you know, use your brain in a, in a very short-term way. Visualize it, see it, but then be more reactionary. Get up and breathe and hit. Don't think too much because if you start thinking too much, you tighten up. When you tighten up, then what happens? Well, then it just doesn't flow out of you. It's, it gets too controlled, too forced. And when you try to force it, it never, it never works out well. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City at Milburn Country Club. If you'd like to join us, if you're a golfer, you're frustrated with your game, you get irritated because you can't hit a certain shot, this is a great opportunity for you to talk to the top teaching pro in the city. Our number is 913-3810-810. He just won his fourth Midwest PGA Teacher of the Year Award. Love to hear from you. 913-3810-810. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB, home of the world's happiest broadcasters. And I am happy to be here every Sunday morning talking about the metal side of sports with you. My guest today is Rob Shipman from the Shipman Golf Institute here in Kansas City at Milburn Country Club, one of the top teaching pros in the whole country. He's taught 83 high school champions. That's that's a lot. Eighty three high school champions. How how has it worked? How how's that happen like that? It, I mean, obviously you know what you're doing, but that's a lot. Yeah, and I mean to to be fair on that number, eighty three. Like one girl won four. I've had three or four girls win three. So it's not eighty three different people. It's eighty three times. But um, well, that's still a lot. it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but you know, people. You know, a lot of kids come to me because they want to win a state championship and they're committed to doing it. And, you know, obviously they're skilled. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to take a kid and win a state champion. State champion, you know, once you win a state championship, you're state champion the rest of your life. 
And, and that's you, what's and, great about it. And you will probably have a good chance to get a scholarship to play in college. Yeah, not always. The state, yeah, not always, but probably. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute, because what is it about those young people that do well like that that separates them out, not just physically but mentally as well? What do you think? Well, you there's, there's, that, a com- there's a commonality, obviously. That yeah, you asked me that question. My brain's searching for the answer. And the number one thing that comes to mind is they work hard. They work hard. You know, when they, there's so many aspects of golf that you have to practice. You, I mean, they all all those people are motivated and they work hard. Define working hard. What's that mean? They practice. They hit shots. They putt. They chip. They go to the golf course and play. They think about golf all the time. They think about playing. How much do you think they implement visualization and mental preparation into what they do? Well, I think a, a lot of good players, most good players, I think maybe even do it without thinking about it, without um, forcing themselves to think about it. Some people have to be taught it, of course. You know, just like, a, I say, a basketball player, when they shoot a, a three-pointer, don't you think they kind of see that shot, the arc of that ball flying through the air? Definitely. You know, Definitely. I think they do, and I think good golfers do that. Some do it naturally. Some have to be taught more. Do you ever get resistance from some people about the importance of the mental aspect? Well, we're dealing with, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. That's why I'm <laughs> asking you. Resistance. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> There's always resistance. Because um, I've had I've had you know, young people that age coming to my office. I don't need this. This is a waste of time. Sometimes you'll get a, a player, and it doesn't have to be a young player. It can be anybody. Say they make a swing and they hit a good shot, but maybe that swing doesn't have the best chance of success in the long run. Then you have to convince them to maybe put the club in another position where maybe they don't hit it good at first, but in the long run they'll hit it better. And they just have to trust me to look at the video and look at the math and explain to them their margin of errors and, and to make those changes. So for for a high school golfer, a young golfer, college golfer, there, there's thousands of them out there that, that you know want to, want to get scholarships, want to move on. How much does the mental aspect play a role from your perspective? Obviously, you've got to have the right swing and all that, but golf is such a frustrating sport because of so many variables that come into play. How important does the mental aspect, visualization part, just preparation like we talk come into play, do you think, for the ones who really make it? So I I used to, on my, we have a new studio at Melbourne now. In the old studio, there was a wall that had, um, if you got a college scholarship, you got your name on the wall with the school. And... So I have taught uh, – who knows how many college coaches I've talked to over the years recruiting kids. And one thing you see is if a kid's at a tournament and he throws a club, yells, cusses, stuff like that, that completely turns these college coaches off. That completely turns them off. So I think kids always don't understand how important it is to keep composed on that golf course, especially when – you know, a coach is watching you like a state championship. I talk to so many young people uh, who want to move on, and I tell them that perhaps outside of your physical skills, the one thing that I think college coaches are looking for more than anything else is character, the type of person you are, and exactly what you just said. How do you handle – they want to see how you do when you do well. But I think more importantly, they want to see how you're going to handle failure and negativity. What do you think about that? Yeah, those coaches are looking for that way more than these kids recognize. 
these kids are just so caught up in the results, they sometimes don't recognize how these coaches are looking for character. I have a jersey from one of the Chiefs players I work with for several years in my office. Uh, and on that jersey, he has the letters F-O-E, focus on effort. I always, I've talked about on the show, foe versus four. And F-O-E, to me, is the is the foundation of it. If we're focusing on results, you're thinking about score, you're thinking about numbers. That's exactly what that is, the results. And then if you don't get that, you get frustrated. Focus on your effort. It's on the execution. What's your thought there? I, I love that thought. I always try to get everybody to... Just focus on the shot, execute the best they can. Golf is hard. The ball's going to go where it's going to go, and just you know make your best swing every single time. Okay, along those lines, then, what's the most frustrating thing you hear from high school kids, college kids who play? What What do you think for them the most frustrating thing about the game is? Well, they're you know you deal with this all the time on your radio show. Um, there's just so much pressure on these kids. It's, it's not like it was back when I was even in college. There's so many good players. Some of these high school teams are better than my college teams now. Um, so there's just so much pressure to perform. You know, when I was a kid playing golf, college and whatever, no nobody ever cheated. I mean, it just didn't. And now in high school all the well, time. I'm sure somebody cheated. I'm, yeah, but I mean, now in high school all the time, especially we're going to tryouts right now. High school tryouts are right now. Every kid walks in. This kid played with this other kid. They haven't broke 50 all year, and they come in and they both shoot 36. You know, you know they cheated, the coaches. So it's just so much pressure, so much pressure on these kids to, to play well now. That so what do, you, what do you say to them when, when you hear something about that? How do, you, how do you react to that when you've got a young person who's really working hard, but they know they're dealing with some some people who are cheating. What do you say to them? Well, it's 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 weird how it is with kids. They they perceive turning in a kid who cheats as a ratting them out, right? That's how they see it. And I have to explain to them that if someone does not record a score or does something questionable on the golf course, it's their duty to all the rest of the players in that field to protect them from that happening. And kids have a hard time with that at first because they have this don't tell them people attitude that they've grown up with. And uh, but in golf, you have to do it. And uh, it's it's just you have to do it. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it. So give us an example for a wrap up of, of where somebody had to do that and, and found out it was the right thing to do. Well, I don't want to mention any names or um, or schools or anything, but there's there is a case of a. A school right now where I teach some of the players, and there's an older players in the team, and again they just feel the pressure to succeed, and um, they have very questionable scores, and the players actually had to sit down with the coach and say, "Look, we know this guy is not shooting these scores out here," and made the coach have to be aware of that. And luckily, these two guys on this team are very mature and. And uh, very good character people, but they have to protect the rest of the team from those kids doing that. So what happened? Um, I I I don't. Well, right now, the kid that is in question was told he couldn't play with his friend again because when they play together, they shoot low scores. So they're trying to keep someone with them at this point in time, and that all came from that meeting with that coach. 
Well, Rob, it's been great having you on this morning, as always. I know lots of people are just waking up because it's daylight savings time, but our shows are podcasted. If you love golf, this is a show you need to listen to. I'd encourage your kids to listen to it, your team to listen to it, because Rob Shipman, he's got it together. He's been coaching forever, 83 champions, state champions, Midwest section, teacher of the year for the fourth time now. If people want to get a hold of you, Rob, how can they reach you? Well, I'm at Melbourne Country Club. My phone number is 816-582-3530. And I know you're busy, but you still take on new client, new, new golfers to work Always, with. yeah. That's just part of the part of the fun of the job is meeting new people all the time. You know, I love having you on the show because you, you obviously a great teacher, but you understand the whole mental aspect as well. And I really appreciate you being here today, I, and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, I love being here. You know, if you want to get a hold of me, there are a lot of ways to reach me. My office number is 816 816- Five six one five 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 six. I am taking on new clients all over the country. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Feel free to get a hold of me. Follow me on Twitter at drj sports psych. Take care. Have a safe week. And we'll talk to you next week here on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB.